Just when you thought the MLS playoff race was starting to settle, a couple of upsets have blown up the whole entire league. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep, who's celebrating a very happy birthday. So, Ivis, happy birthday, man. Thanks, man. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, actually, it's not technically my birthday anymore. It's actually almost two days removed, but Saturday was my birthday Along with Tab, Tab Ramos and Bruce Arena, all of us soccer geniuses, we all have the same birthday. Uh, and I, it was a good time, I got to say. I had a pretty good time. You know, I noticed you pot a, uh, bought, bought, not pot, but bought a pair of uh, Jordans for yourself, man. Is that all you got for I, your birthday? That's, well, no, that's not all I got. That's, I, I treated myself to, you know, that's any excuse, pretty much, any excuse to buy a pair of Jordans, you know, so uh, I was looking for that pair and uh, I got it. Got it on Friday. Dude, I would look horrible on a pair of Jordans. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. I just don't think I could rock it. What are you, what are you, what are you rocking? Some Vans? Somewhere? No, I'm rocking more like Aldo, like kind of like Crocs. Yeah, Crocs. I'm, I'm, someone, someone in the comments banned me from using a certain word to describe what I kind of wear, so I can't say it. So I think most people could figure it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I just tons to talk about on the show. Uh, you know, we got to talk about all the Americans abroad. Big weekend for a couple of the guys over in Europe, down in Mexico. Uh, but the biggest thing this weekend and, and the dominant thing we're going to talk about on the show today is all the MLS action that happened this past week. It's crazy to think that just with a couple of upsets, you have 16 out of 19 teams back in the playoff picture. And one of the biggest games on Saturday night, L.A. versus Seattle, ended in a 1-1 draw for both teams. Uh, Juninho and Eddie Johnson, outstanding goals in that game. And, and I mean, Ivis, I mean, what would you take away from this game? Uh, Seattle's ability to go to L.A. and come back without with a point. Well, I, I got to say it was a, a little anticlimactic, the fact that, you know, going into that match, all, all people, you know, one of the big storylines was the whole Landon Donovan, Clint Dempsey showdown, and uh, neither of them played. You know, Clint Dempsey was injured, Landon Donovan uh, didn't recover from his injury, so neither of them featured, and uh, I think at, at the end of the day, when you have both those guys missing, it hurt, I think it hurt LA clearly more than it hurt Seattle, because look, Seattle's a deep team, and even without Dempsey, they can put a strong lineup out there and not miss a beat. Uh, with LA, I think they're they're a lot more reliant on their on their stars, and 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 it's tough for them. They don't re- you can't replace Landon Donovan, especially the way he's been playing, and and it just he's so important to what they can do and what Robbie Keane can do. I mean, look, Robbie Keane for me has been you know you can argue he's MVP caliber player this year, one of the top contenders for that award uh, that award, but you know he needs Donovan there to be at his best and for the attack to be at its best, and without Donovan. You, I think you saw LA struggle a bit. Uh, it was a fairly even game, and and uh, the result pretty much is what you expect. Seattle's got to come away happy, just because you know their track record in LA is pretty horrible. So for them to go there and get a point, it, they they have to feel good about that. But uh, it, it 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 there's a lot that, that has yet to be settled as far as who the top teams are going to be in the West. Well, like you said, I mean LA clearly missing Donovan. I, I think you can make the case, like you said, that that we need to look at both teams, Seattle. And LA, I think LA missed having Donovan more. Uh, but one of the, I think the the thing that everyone's jumping on in this game, I, I noticed was the fact that uh, Omar Gonzalez got picked. Kind of how we saw the U.S. do it uh, in the U.S. men's national team game. Eddie Johnson gets a goal. You, you know, so, something like that in set in that situation for Omar Gonzalez. I mean, what can he do to prevent from getting in that situation? And, and what can he do? Because I mean, it seems like anytime this guy makes a mistake, now I mean, we, we, everyone wants to jump on it. I mean, look, plays things happen, right? I don't know if that one is nearly is nearly as bad as some other some other plays that he's had throughout the season, even last week against DC. You know, I think those kind of things happen, and the teammates have to have to adjust to that. And and if if your guy gets picked, someone else, someone has to pick pick up your guy. You know, it can't be all on Marcus especially on a play like that. 
So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't get on him too much. Um, you do, you would like to see him be able to make every play, but, uh, certain, in certain circumstances, you need help. You're going to need help. You need somebody to pick up your guy. So I, I, w- I wouldn't kill him too much about him. Staying in the Western Conference, another game that had some big playoff implications was on Friday night. Portland Timbers hosted the Colorado Rapids. Uh, we talked about this game before, you know, Colorado in great form. You know, we talked that they could have had, you know, they're, they're a team that could have gone up to Portland and came away with a point or even three points. Uh, and I thought they showed pretty well in this game, but the Portland Timbers, uh, they did very well in this game too. Uh, I mean, it's pretty ugly. Many teams didn't get any shots on goal. I mean, and the only goal came from Max Rudy's pressure, which led to Diego Valeri having a nice little chip. And for Portland, I mean, it's a big victory for them at home. And, I mean, obviously, we talked about this. I mean, they've shown well all season long, and to get a victory like this over a good Colorado team, I mean, that that shows very well. I think it was definitely a good check for them. Uh, it was their chance to show, you know, to kind of prove themselves as, as a serious team. Um, you know, lately they've had some results that have been a bit up and down for them, and and they uh, they needed this win. They needed, it, especially at home. And and that's I, you know, as I said last week, I thought they would get it done. And Max Arudi, I got to say. I know, I know some people who watch, especially non-Portland fans, came away, uh, not necessarily happy with what they saw from him, because, you know, there was a little bit of diving and histrionics and play acting and all that. But what I saw, especially early on, was a lot of ball pressure, a lot of hustle. Uh, you know, I, I like what I saw from him, and he, he gave them, like, a, a bit of a different element. You know, they've got some big and athletic players up top, up their options, Ryan Johnson. Uh, before it was Piquan, uh, Picune and, and obviously uh, Valencia. But I think Arude gives them a little something different. I think he's a more technical player, someone who can combine with some of the other skilled players on that team. And, you know, I, I think he can get the job done. I and mean, he's, he's a promising player. Overall, though, as a game, it was really, it's a fairly even game. Um, I, you know, I know folks in Colorado will give me some stick because after the game, I, I pointed out that it was an ugly game and that the Rapids tried to make it ugly. And I really think that's, you know, you know, look, both teams committed fouls, but I mean, Colorado, you felt like they were really making a point to try to get into the playmakers for, for, for the, uh, the Timbers and not let them get going. And, and that, that strategy worked to a degree. Uh, you know, Portland didn't, they weren't their sharpest either. Uh, but it just shows you what Portland can do, especially the defense. You got to give them credit. Uh, Colorado really didn't have a ton of chances. And Portland's also getting healthy. I mean, you had footy. And Jack Jewsbury back in this game for Portland. You, you talk about the other guys just getting back in form. Will Johnson? I mean, Portland things are things are going very well for them right now. Right. I mean, it's crazy to think. I mean, you know, just last week we were talking about, oh, are they gonna, you know, are they in danger of slipping out of the playoffs? But right now, looking at them, they're they're closer to, you know, they're closer to grabbing the top spot than they are missing, you know, missing out in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's a big win for them right now. They're they're only two points behind Real Salt Lake, who all of a sudden's in a bit of a in a bit of a slump. Um, so they, you know, they, everything's there for Portland. And if you're Portland, you definitely want to grab a top three spot. You don't want to have to deal with the wild card. You want to just get in, guarantee yourself a spot in the semifinals. And hey, if they can grab us, uh, the second seed and have that, you know, home field, although there's questions about what does it really mean home field in, in the two leg playoff. Um, but yes, top three for them is clearly in their sights. And if Rudy proves to be uh, a difference maker at forward, that's what they need. That's what they have needed. And, you know, he did have a chance in that game that was saved. And, you know, so I'm not saying he's the finished product yet, but I'm hearing a lot of good things out of Portland, and, and I think that was a pretty good first start for him. Well, speaking of Real Salt Lake, they dropped their second game in a row, losing at home to the San Jose Earthquakes 2-1. to 
Lenhart with two goals on set pieces in this game. The second one by San Jose was very nice, very tricky. And for Ivis, like you said, all of a sudden, just like that, not that we want to say that Real Salt Lake is in a playoff trouble, but, you know, they they lost that that lead in first uh, pretty quickly. Right. I mean, they you know, Real Salt Lake definitely hit a little bit of a slump here, especially this, but the, you know, the Seattle game, you can kind of understand it. Mm-hmm. Going up to Seattle, losing there, there's no shame in that. This result was a little bit of a head scratcher. I don't know anyone that thought San Jose would go up there uh, to Rio Tinto and 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 beat them there. I mean that that was only Real Salt Lake's third loss of the year there. So I don't know if it's time for a panic button or alarm bells. But I gotta say, I wonder if at all this whole Jason Christ in New York City FC thing is weighing on the minds of that team. I'm not saying it is, but you gotta help. You can't but wonder, right? I mean that kind of is it a distraction? Or is are people talking about it? Are players talking about it? Is that something on the minds of people in, in Utah, uh, particularly players? I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think, you know, they, they got beat up, beat up a little bit. Steve Lenhart did his thing. Uh, he scored his goals and, and he can do more than just annoy people. He can find the net. And all of a sudden, San Jose, man, they're, they're in the conversation. And, uh, you know, a week ago, I wouldn't have said that. Well, basically because I didn't think they'd get a single point out of Salt Lake. Now that they got those three points, they're right there, and uh, you know they're one of those teams that has thrown themselves in the mix. <laughs> they got Chivas USA coming up next, and then Colorado uh, coming up next. For real, Salt Lake, yeah, it's uh, I mean set pieces. You had to defend set pieces. Nat, Nat Borchers uh, messed up on that game. Him and Carlos Salcedo have looked well, but their lack of communication sometimes is it's a little concerning. I'm assuming for our, our all RSL fans. Ivis Vancouver, Montreal, Vancouver first ever visit. To Montreal defeated them three to zero. Montreal uh, once again had another poor showing, and Vancouver. I mean, Ivis they gave it to them the whole entire game, and I mean once again Kenny Miller and Camillo impressing this. Definitely, and, and it's crazy when you think about the slump that they had been in offensively. And if you recall on <laughs> on the last episode of the SBI show, I said if there's any team that could get them get Vancouver out of their slump. It's Montreal, and lo and behold, that impact defense once again just lays an egg, and it, and, and you have to start wondering about them. I mean, how legitimate are they a contender, right? I mean, I already said last show that I don't see them as an MLS Cup contender because of that, but now you almost have to start wondering about the playoffs as a whole. I mean, look, right now they have a six point cushion, which seems pretty safe, right? Especially when they have they have some games in hand, but they have a tough schedule down the stretch. They they actually have to play. A lot of the same teams that are in that playoff in that playoff hunt. They play Chicago next, then they play Houston, New England, LA, Philly. I mean, all those teams are either in the playoffs or fighting tooth and nail to get in the playoffs. So if that defense doesn't straighten out, they could just slide on out of the playoffs. And and who would have thought that a month ago? I mean, it's crazy what two losses can do, but that's exactly what's happened to them now. They've lost two. They actually it's crazy to think that just before these two losses, they had gone they, they had a three zero and run stretch to kind of boost their place in, in the standings, but here they are with, you know, with six games to go, um, you know, you talk about games in hand and how they help you, but at, you can't assume games in hand. You can't assume games in hand will get you points, and that's the thing that gets me. Uh, I, I didn't want to go on this rant, but I just want to say, like, tonight I got to, you know, with some people about the whole games in hand thing and points per game, um, you know, because, you know, when you talk about the standings and you talk about you know, who has the most points? Then the people come in and say, wait, not all the teams have the same points. You can't look at it that way. And I say this, you have to look at the points the teams have actually earned. You can't go on points per game because you can't assume 
that a team is going to produce the same points in their remaining games that they produced in the previous game. So that's why for me, I think it's fool's gold when people start, you know, buying into this whole points per game thing, especially later in the year. If you want to do that in the middle of the year to kind of measure teams and, and, and get a true sense of teams in the middle of the year, sure, go ahead and do that. When it's later in the year and teams are actually accumulating points, you have to respect the teams, the points that have actually been earned. And, and so, and one of the, the, sorry to go completely off topic, but the supporter shield race. Mm-hmm. The New York Red Bulls won on Sunday night. They are now one point ahead of Seattle for the Supporters' Shield race. Seattle has two games in hand. Everybody knows this, but they are still behind New York. They actually have to do something with those games in hand. And until they do, you can't give them credit for those for any of the, any potential points that they get. And I just think it's – I get it. I understand why some people go for that and, and get into the whole points per game thing. But you know what? Do you do you ever hear people in Europe talking about points per game or, or – or, no, they don't. The points earned are the points that you talk about. If a, if a team on Saturday moves in the first place, they're in first place. It's not, oh, but this other team has a game in hand and has to play on Monday. They don't get caught up in that. Points earned is what you, is what you deserve and what you get. And Montreal has games in hand, but they aren't going to mean a whole hell of a lot if they lose those games. Okay, going back to the game, Ivis, after your rant. Sorry. Montreal defense. Don't apologize to me, Ivis. I think people love it when, when you get all fired up. <laughs> I love it, too. Especially when you said foo's goal. You said foo's goal just like that. Yes. <laughs> but, That's what it is. But going back to the game, Montreal, though. Alessandro Nesta got burned on the wing. I think everyone saw it by Nigel Rayo Coker. And we've seen this a couple of times out of Montreal, Montreal, Ivis, where the defense is a little slow, doesn't apply pressure, and just aren't quick as, as they need to be. And, and maybe that is tired legs. Maybe they're just, they just don't have the pace that they used to have anymore. But for Montreal, I just mean, what, what can they do? I mean, would there be a possibility that Nessa sits on the bench? They try something different to get some speed out there. I mean, what do you think Montreal should do going forward to at least have a fighting chance in the playoffs? Cause right now, I don't know if many people are going to believe in them. Well, that's going to be the big question mark, right? If you're Marco Shalabong, are you really going to bench a guy like Nesta? You know, and what, what kind of, what kind of uh, message is that? I mean, the thing is, he hasn't played well. There's no other way to say it. He hasn't played well. And, you know, when it, where they really fall into trouble is, you know, Mateo Ferrari can only do so much. And a lot of times he has to cover for him. Mm-hmm. And, and then on the game, as we said before, on games where he, where he isn't at his best, they are so, they are so vulnerable. And at the end of the day, they just don't have depth there. They don't have depth in the back. So how many options do they really have? You almost have to stick with Nesta and hope he just, you know, doesn't lay an egg when you need at the worst possible moment. You know, they have these six games to go and you just ask yourself, is he, is Nesta really going to get better? I just don't, I just don't know. I just don't see it. I mean, uh, I don't, I, they're in a tough spot right now. I, I don't know who they're going to slide in. Are they going to move, you know, Hasun Kamara to make him, make him a center back? I, I don't know what they're going to do, but they're, they're not looking good right now. Ivis over in the East, another game that had huge, huge, huge playoff implications. Uh, Columbus Crew, Chicago Fire. Columbus get another victory. They de- defeat the Chicago Fire 3-0. to zero. And right now, Ivis, when you're looking at the Eastern Conference standings, they're only two points behind the New England Revolution for that, sec- for that final spot in the Eastern Conference. And Brian Bliss, who took over as the interim manager, manager, I mean, he wasn't shy when he said that he's going to take this seriously and he wants to be the head coach next year. The team's responding well. The team's playing well. And Dominic Oduro, I think with a celebration of the year with the pizza, that's, that's, I like that. It was, it was pretty funny. But nonetheless, Ivis, though, Columbus Crew with another great victory and they're back in the playoff picture. Uh, that, that they are. And, and you know, I've, I've been saying for a few weeks now, 
that I just didn't think the crew could get in. I just didn't see them getting into the playoff mix. But you know what? They they three they won three out of four, and they're right there. They're right in the mix. And while hey, I still am not convinced. I have to give them the credit and the respect that look, they have turned it around. They have you know responded positively to the coaching change. And now you know you really have to give them you know you have to give them a real chance here. I mean, you look at the remaining schedule. Uh, there's four matches to go, and right now, if you look at the Eastern Conference, the fifth place team in the East is New England, right? New England is currently only two points ahead of Columbus, and the and the Crew play New England twice to end the season. So right now, Columbus, ha- the Crew have the fate, their own fate in their own hands. If they went out, they're in the playoffs. If they beat no, if you know, and even if they you know don't get four wins, they're still going to get their chance at New England at the end. End of the year, so you have to you have to respect them. You have to give them their chance. Their defense is playing well, and look, the red card in that game obviously you know changed a lot of things. I mean, they were they were already winning one zero, but the red card to Bakari Samara obviously made, made things a lot more difficult for the Fire. Um, but look, credit to the crew; they took care of business. Um, any team with Federico Iguain, you got to give them a punch. You got to give them a puncher's chance because the guy is special. He's one of the true playmakers in the league. Um, they're totally. They, you have he is, to respect but, them. but his problem, though, is he's, he's not consistent enough, and that's why the crew are still fighting for a playoff spot. Because we see some weeks with the crew, they look outstanding, and then other weeks they just look pff, like they're, they're not even in the game at all. Well, it's like I said last episode. They're a team that has to play. At, 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 they have to play their best to, just to get a result. Like they're not a. There's certain teams that you know to have the talent where that even when they don't play well, they can get a win, right? Like the Red Bulls, perfect example. The Red Bulls, uh, you just look at their current run. They've won four in a row. Uh, other than the Houston match in that run, in that run, I mean, I don't know if you look at any of those matches and say, oh wow, they played great, they know really well, or even well, like they they played okay or, or not even or you know mediocre in some games. But they've gotten results. That's what good teams do. The Crew are a team. They're limited. They're a limited team. You know the injuries that they've had, the lack of depth that they already had. You know, they they, ha- they have limitations, but what they are doing, they're they're starting to to peak or or at least or get the most out of what they do have, and and that's why you have to take them seriously now. Ivis over in the Eastern Conference, the the New England Revolution's victory over DC United two to one was extremely important because it allowed New England to grab three points from the game because if they only were able to pick up a draw, I mean, the Eastern Conference they wouldn't have this nice little cushion that they, one point cushion that they have in the Eastern Conference. Uh, this game, another game surrounded in, in some controversy from this past weekend. Uh, Diego Fugundes and Lee Wynn both get goals in this game, but each goal had its own question marks and, and, and people pointing fingers. But regardless, New England gets a victory over DC United and a victory that they needed desperately. And, and for DC, I guess sometimes when things aren't going your way, they're just, they're not going your way, even after impressive showing last week against the Galaxy. Right. I mean, this is a result New England had to have. I mean, at the end of the day, if they're gonna be, if you're gonna take them seriously for the playoffs, you got you, you, they they absolutely had to get this win. Uh, and things didn't start well for them. I mean, you get the Scott Caldwell own goal uh, early on in that match, and and you know DC United all year they haven't had much go their way, but at, for that fleeting moment, it looked like uh oh maybe this is maybe things are gonna turn around for them. Maybe they're gonna actually you know make some magic happen, but uh, it did work out. And New England once again. You have to take them seriously. They, they're, you know, they're right there. They got the win. They're back in a playoff spot. But that East, that East race is just so, so tightly packed. And uh, 
like I said, like I've been saying, New Orleans is a young team. They're growing up in this stretch. Uh, but you know, I don't know, man. I don't, you know, beating DC, I don't know if that necessarily is, is, is something that's going to send a message to anybody. Um, but the points are huge for them and, uh, you know, for their defense, you know, they didn't give up a goal to a DC player. So I think they're going to feel pretty good about that result. Sporting Kansas City defeated Toronto FC two to one story in this game. Ivis, CJ Sapong with the brace. Uh, Toronto FC, a couple defensive mistakes that Sporting Kansas City took advantage of. And CJ Sapong, it's good to see him scoring goals again. Absolutely. I mean, he, he is such an important player for them. And it hasn't, look, it hasn't been the best year. He'll be the first one to tell you that, you know, it, has, it hasn't gone as he would have hoped. But, you know, if he can get going here at the end of the year, I mean, that is huge for them. Especially when you think about the fact that they lost Kai Kamara. They, well, they sold Kai Kamara. Um, so that absence, that's a big void there. And, and they, the thing about KC is they have depth in their attack, uh, you know, with some of the players who've, who've stepped up, uh, in, in the absence of Sapong as a, as a, as a reliable player. I mean, you've had Sunni Saad, Dom Kinnear, uh, Dom Kinnear, Dom Dwyer came <laughs> back, came back, Dom Dwyer came back from his Orlando loan and, and, and is someone who, who has shown well. But CJ Sapong, as we've seen in, in the past, when he's on his game, he can be one of the better forwards in the league. And if he gets it going, uh, then KC can regain their place at the top of the East. And, and, I, and I really see that happening for them. I really, I really think, uh, you know, it, it's going to be that, that. It could be that for them because, uh, you know, early on in the year when he wasn't scoring and you had, you know, Claudio Beeler became the guy, kind of the go-to guy. And then, then it was the Beeler, Kai Kamara show. You know, CJ Sapong kind of got lost in the mix there. He just wasn't scoring goals. And here he is back, put a few goals in. And maybe that forget if that gets him rolling, then Casey is absolutely right there in that conversation as far as title contenders. Separating themselves from the teams fighting for the playoff race to the Eastern Conference, Houston Dynamo all over Chivas USA five to one, and Ivis for Houston, a team that was struggling to score goals as of late. Chivas USA is just what the doctor ordered. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'll say this right. I mean, Chivas USA had been playing better. Uh, it's easy to just look at any result that they have and say, oh, it's terrible Chivas USA getting crushed again. Actually, no, you know, they actually have had better results lately and they've played some better games lately. But, they, you know, look, it all came together for Houston. Uh, and if you're a Dynamo fan, you have to love seeing Oscar Bonia Garcia take over a game like that and have that kind of performance because he is such a key to what they do. And look, Brad, da- Brad Davis is. He is Houston, right? He's like their go-to. He's their, you know, MVP. But Bonnie Garcia gives them such, like, he is the driving force there, and he and he get he allows you as a Houston team that gives you get that much more balance. When you have Davis on one side, Bonnie Garcia on the other side, when Boniac's speed is pressuring defenses, forcing them into mistakes, forcing them into free kick opportunities that Davis can, can take advantage of. That's what you want. So, you know, Bonnie Garcia just having himself a game like that. It, it's it's it bodes well for them, and now with that win, all of a sudden they have two wins, and all and look, they're they're on Montreal's heels for the third spot, and who would have thought that? But as bad as they were looking just a few weeks ago, so right now, if you're done, you know, there they are, there they go again, turning it on late in the year, and and you know, with Bonnie Garcia getting hot, with Giles Barnes looking good, then you kind of you know you almost now you look at that Adam Muffet trade, and you say, all right, I get it now, we get it. You wanted to get Barnes in there with Ricardo Clark. You wanted to get that lineup. And that's it. It's looking pretty good right now. 
and in the final game from the weekend, it was on Sunday afternoon. You were at this game, Ivis. New York, New York's offense all over FC Dallas in a one to zero victory. No, I'm just joking. Eric had the ugliest own goal I think anyone has ever seen. Uh, but in all seriousness, Ivis, New York's offense not clicking though, but they were able to get a victory in this one, and they are now first in the Supporter Shield standings and their first chance to get a major trophy, Ivis. Well, uh, it's still. There's still a ways to go, and they still have a big game uh, on next Sunday against Seattle. And so that hold on the supporters should lead uh, could, could disappear pretty quickly. But talking about this game on Sunday, uh, you know, it, it wasn't the best game ever. It wasn't the, one of the best. In retrospect, if I knew then what I know now, I might have stayed home and watched it on TV. Um, but Dallas, man, Dallas is a mess. There's no other way to say it. They're a mess. And I know they could have very easily gotten a point out of this game if not for that freaky own goal. But when it came down to it, the Red Bulls created the, created many more chances. Uh, they were the better team. And Dallas is just, uh, they're snake bit right now. And it, I mean, it, it's crazy to think about. I mean, it's not that crazy, but it, it's interesting to note how earlier in the year, everything was going their way. Everything. And I, and I, I would love to go back and I might have to go back and listen to the episodes of the SBI show in April and early May. And even March, when I, I'm sure I said it over and over. Listen, everything is going their way, but that you know what? Let's see that over the course of the season, and let's see if they can keep that. And I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And now, you know, they were talking to some of the guys uh, after the game. Some of the FC Dallas guys. The sense I get around that team is not a good one, man. I, I, I mean, they all, you know, they all obviously want to play better. They, they, they know they need to start getting the results, but I think it's, there's a sense there that they know. Like maybe their luck has run out, you know. I mean, they had set pieces going their way. Michelle, Michelle was just just dropping dimes everywhere, and all of a sudden he's not even on the in the lineup anymore, and 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 it's just not clicking for them. And I don't know what's going to turn it around. Um, especially now you get two weeks in a row where they lose by an own goal. I mean, that's got to be pretty disheartening. So I don't know about them in the in the playoff race. As far as the Red Bulls, getting back to the Red Bulls. Uh, Again, another game where they don't really play great, but they get the three points. And that's what good teams do. Uh, Tim Cahill is back. That's huge for them. Uh, he wasn't 100%. It wasn't a great game for him. He, he, you know, he obviously, I'm sure he played hurt, which is what he does. The guy has so much heart. It's unbelievable. Um, but it, it, you want to see how they finish this year now. How they, Hamison Olavi is playing great. Terry Henry is you know, doing what he does. Uh, Luis Robles is, 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 has been really steady lately. Uh, so they're looking really good, but that game, that, that trip to Seattle is going to say a lot, right? They have to go mm-hmm. in there and actually stand toe to toe and take the real hard punches from a powerhouse like Seattle. That'll tell us a lot more about the Red Bulls than this four game winning streak that they put together against some pretty bad teams. All right. Well, I was time to change gears. Let's move over to the Americans abroad. A mixed weekend for a bunch of the guys, but Brad Guzan had the highlight of the weekend monster game for him. Uh, picks up his first clean sheet. I think it was in 28 matches for Aston Villa. Uh, and I mean, it's amazing because about a year ago this time, it was, you know, is he the man there? But we've seen his play over the last year, and he's been incredibly impressive. I mean, he was Aston Villa's player of the year last year. I mean, his performance in this game, it should be expected every week that he's going to put a solid effort in every single week. And it's, that's the one thing America does great, Ivis, is produce goalkeepers. And it's great to see him doing well. Well, it's not a surprise, but it, 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 this particular game, I mean, you know, he had two saves, uh, two saves recorded at one was the penalty save. He saves a penalty kick. And then at the end of the match, he, he saves the victory 
with a just ridiculous just reaction save to the hot at the top corner of the net that was probably better than, almost better than the penalty save. Um, you know, he's he's just he's playing really well. He's on good form and, and you know, playing for, for Villa, there's weeks where he gets bombarded, weeks where he's facing so many he's facing a ton of shots. But it, it's it's just shows like the quality that he's shown and, and, and he's playing really well right now. And I tell you what, for October, uh I you know, if I'm Jurgen Klinsman, I let Tim Howard stay home and rest. <laughs> and it's not about <laughs> him losing his job, it's about him being an older goalkeeper, giving him a chance to rest and giving Brad Guzan some games. And, and uh, you know, I know there's this contingent of fans who are insistent, and not just fans, there's also some media out there who are insistent that Brad Guzan's better, Brad Guzan should be starting. And, and like, you know what, look, I'm not trying to disrespect Brad Guzan because Brad Guzan's playing really well. But if you have the, the, the choice right now is between Tim Howard and Brad Guzan, it is still Tim Howard. His experience, his positioning, it's not all about the re, the, 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 the reaction saves. He gets the job done. He organizes the defense. He he is still a better goalkeeper than Brad Guzan, and that's why he's still the starter for the national team. <laughs> as soon as you said that uh, Guzan starts in October, I could just imagine everyone going, oh, up in arms about that. No, well, I mean, I just think, like, I mean, I, I've written it and I've said it. You know, for me, I think some of the older players, uh, especially European-based older players, you know, give them uh, give them those games off. Give them October off. Um, you know, they, they, they're playing a lot of games already. Uh, you know, when someone like Tim Howard, or, you know, when he's all the multiple competitions he's got to play in, uh, why do you want him traveling over here? It's Jermaine Jones is the same, you know, the same thing. I mean, Jermaine Jones has to compete in Bundesliga, uh, German Cup, UEFA Champions League. Like, why do you want to have him play in two games that mean absolutely nothing? That's why I think those, some of those guys, is, you know, you should give him a rest. And when you have a Brad Duzan, that's even more of a reason to, to let, you know, Tim Howard take a break. Another player that had a big weekend in England. His team didn't have a big weekend, but he individually had a big weekend. Jeff Cameron scored his first goal for Stoke City in a defeat to Arsenal, a three to one. But uh, great to see Jeff Cameron scoring a goal. No, that, I mean that, that was a good consolation prize. I mean, last week he helped them shut out Man City. This week he scores the goal. Uh, it's a little bittersweet, obviously you lose to Arsenal, but you know he has solidified his starting role with that team. Um, and, and you know that that's great to see, especially you know the way the way it is in Europe. You know you never know if you're gonna hold on to a spot. And he's he's absolutely holding on to his spot there. And another player scored a goal, Terence Boyd, for his team in Austria, Rapid Vienna. I mean, I we've seen this since his move there that just he keeps scoring and scoring and scoring. And I wonder, man, if the October qualifiers could be an opportunity for him to maybe get some extended minutes so we can see what he can do on the international stage. Well, it's hard to argue with the stats. I mean, the guy's getting the job done. And look, I know. Some people look at the Austrian league and say it's a lower, it's a lower level league. It's probably not even as good as MLS. And you know what? You can have, you can make that argument if you want. Like, I, I think it's a pretty solid league, uh, comparable league, maybe to MLS, a little lower, but he is getting the job done. He's scoring goals. He's playing confidently. You know, I got a chance to watch him in, in Europa League action during the week. And, you know, he showed me some good signs. I mean, his team actually lost their game, uh, on the road. They lost one nil to Thune. Um, and, you know, he showed me some good signs. You know, his hold-up play was really good. His passing, his ability to get in the air and, and, and redirect passes, uh, you know, aerial passes, he, he did well. And, and he, so he's playing with some confidence right now. And, and uh, you know, I think, I think he's someone that you have to call in. I don't know if he's going to get – I don't know how much playing time he's going to get there. But, I mean, I, if Jurgen Klinsmann is serious about a full-strength first team, yes, obviously Terrence Boyd is probably not going to get any minutes. But if that's a little bit of a smoke screen or if maybe he's not going to bring in, in everybody, he's going to leave certain guys home, 
I personally would Terrence Boyd's a player I would like to see because I mean, we didn't see enough of him in the summer, you know, other than that cup of coffee against Germany that, you know, wasn't necessarily a great uh, appearance for him. <laughs> I personally would love to see Terrence Boyd and Aaron Hansen start together and see what they got. <laughs> All I remember from his play in the Germany game was U.S. was winning and he just took that ridiculous run down the middle and then Clint Dempsey just like destroyed him. Was, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he gave him the, he gave him the Dempsey look. Trip. He gave him the yeah. He gave him the why are you not dribbling the ball over the corner? <laughs> it was awesome. Look, but I mean, yeah, I mean, but like you, you understood it. But at the same time, he, Terrence Boyd was playing Germany. exactly. He was amped up. He wanted to score a goal. He wanted nothing better than to score a goal against Germany and like run around like a maniac and like pull an American flag out of the stands and show everybody that he is an American. And that, you know, you can't. How do you not respect that, right? Uh, but but yeah, that was definitely a funny scene. And I was in the all-star team of guys, fans, want to see called up, Eric Lehigh, my boy Jonathan Spector, and Tim Ream all get the start this past weekend in the championship. Well, I don't know. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how long the lists are of fans who want to see those, all three of those guys. Well, at least one of them. But, at least one of them. Right. Well, Eric Lehigh is, you know, Mr. Popular. And rightfully so. The guy should absolutely get a call in October. I don't know if he will. But yeah, I would say it's been promising to see some of these guys in the league championship in England get a chance to get some regular playing time. Tim Ream, it's a it's a bittersweet situation right now for Tim Ream and Bolton. He's worked his way into the starting lineup. He's actually playing in midfield, central midfield, which is a little is not something that people are familiar are familiar with seeing him play. But he's playing there. He's getting some good reviews. Unfortunately, Bolton is a mess. Bolton is in last place in the league championship. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If, I think that, I don't know if their coach was fired or is going to be fired. It's entirely possible. Uh, but they're a mess, man. They're they're you know someone forget promotion. They they got to worry about relegation right now. So that is that's it, that's it's sad to hear if you're an American fan, especially because you know Stuart Holden is still on the books there. Obviously he's rehabbing and he's he's a ways away from coming back. Uh, even though hey his Instagram updates look good, it looks like his rehab is coming along well, but. Yeah, Bolton's not doing too great, but Tim Ream is playing well. He's doing well there, and you have to wonder if Jurgen looks at that and says, you know, let me bring him in. Um, as far as the other guys, Jonathan Spector, again, he's someone playing in. As far as I know, playing in midfield there, uh, he's he's he should his... be called up and play. He should be playing right back for the U.S. Man, <laughs> do you remember that game uh, against Spain? Oh God, he was so good in that game. That was 2009, man. That was four years ago. Yeah, Come but on. dude, he shut down Spain in that game. He was. I don't know about dude, he was, shut down. He, he was money nice, that game. Money. He couple, listen, he had a couple of nice plays. <laughs> it was four years ago. Connor Casey was scoring goals for the U.S. four years ago. Okay? And he's scoring so, goals to the Union. He should be called up. Call him up. Wow. Call him collect. No. Nothing against <laughs> Connor Casey. <laughs> Nothing against Connor Casey. Back to the subject. No, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan Spector is a skilled player. He's versatile, but you know, I'm curious. His time, his time. Curious. I think his time came. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's passed, but he just struggles to stay healthy. I think he's on radar. I think he's someone Klinsman keeps an eye on because he likes those versatile, technical guys, and and you know. But that's the thing, right? You know, that throws you off a little bit when Jurgen comes out. Jurgen Klinsman comes out and says and makes this proclamation that I'm going to have a full strength team in October. The fans deserve that. This is going to be a sold out crowd in Kansas City. We want to give them. The, the, a full A team, and I respect that. I totally get that. But from a practical standpoint, it I don't know how much sense it makes. And there are all these guys that you have a chance to take a look at. Why not take a look at them? And, and here's the thing, right? In in past cycles, 
when the U.S. has been in this situation. We've ended up with uh, a glorified MLS All-Star team as the team that's come in. But now, guess what? MLS is where a lot of these top guys are already. We're talking about Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, Omar Gonzalez, Matt Beesler, uh, you know, Clarence Goodson. A lot of these guys are Graham in Zuzzi. MLS. Graham Zuzzi. A lot of these guys, Eddie Johnson. A lot of these guys are in MLS. <laughs> Nick Armando. Well, Nick Armando's not playing. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you killed it. You lose. Um, <laughs> a lot of the, the guys who are getting regular minutes on the national team are, are already in MLS. So it's going to be, it would be a little different. Now, if anything, you should bring European guys, European-based guys who can't get a sniff, who aren't getting minutes. Aaron Johansson, John Brooks, although John Brooks is hurt now. Um, you know, mix this group, give him a chance, give him a run of games. Terrence Boyd. Um, and then these other, these league championship guys, Eric Lehigh, who's played every single game this year, starting it right back for Nottingham Forest. Jonathan Spector. I mean, all these, like, this is an opportunity. There's so many of these other guys. Why not give them a chance? I mean, I understand it. From the, the, from this, you know, I, I get why Klinsman would say this and why he, maybe he's going to do it, but I don't know if he has to do it. And the whole idea of, well, you know, we only have certain amount of games between now and the World Cup, and this is a chance to keep our team together. I, you know what? That makes sense. I'm not going to argue that. But there's part of me that almost would rather see what these other guys have than to see a USA team beat up on Jamaica. He's going for that top eight spot finish in the FIFA World Rankings. It's not obviously. happening. It's not happening. I'm sorry. It's pipe. That's fool's again. It's fool's <laughs> fool's gold. That's, that's, the, that's it's the fool's gold. gold episode of the SBI show. <laughs> the top eight, the seeds, the seeded spots in the World Cup is fool's gold. It's not happening. I don't care what. I don't care if USA beats um, Jamaica and Panama combined ten nil. And wins and just destroys the rest of the hex. They're not going to get a top eight spot. It's not happening. I'm sorry, it ain't happening. Yeah, but they're they, playing European powerhouse uh, S- Scotland. I mean, that that should count for something. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> all the Scottish fans are like, all the Scottish fans are like, God, I'm going to kill Garrett when I see him. Yeah, but yeah. There's a ton of Scottish guys in Arizona. I don't <laughs> know if they can handle all the sun out there. But listen, <laughs> it, it, it's not it, that. I'm. I don't think that's what it is at all. I don't think it has anything to do with the ranking or. Or wanting to try to get seated for the World Cup. It's not about that. I, I get, I would, I would much more believe it's him trying to get more reps for the, his, his A team, even though it's, it's like nine months away. I, I don't know. I, for me, if I, I mean, obviously I'm not the coach, but if I were the coach, I, I would totally, I don't know if anyone would be up in arms if he really decided to go with a, 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 a you know, reserve team, a lot of European based guys. I mean, let's think about. Let, 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 all right, let's talk about. It. We got a little time because we don't have a ton of questions for the Q and A. But let's think about a potential lineup right now with no starters in it. Right? Let's think about it. Forward: Aaron Johansson, Terrence Boyd. Who would want to see those two guys play together? Come on, that's what everyone. Want. I mean, how many? You know, obviously. Not I'd want to see them. Who wouldn't? Right? I mean, you're talking two guys. They're both scoring goals in Europe right now. Why not get them to play? And then you think. All right, all right. So let's go to the midfield now. You got mixed disc group. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, you want to see him get some stars. You know, Alejandro Bedoya. Yep. He's playing well. He's playing here, doing his thing. Um, Kyle Beckerman is showing well. Get Kyle Beckerman in there. Give him a start. Um, so let's think. Who else? Who else would you put out there? Who'd you put on the left? Uh, I'm trying to think here. I like Bedoya on the right, uh, on the left. I mean, maybe you try Edgar Castillo for a game. I uh, see. Not, right. See, you've totally ruined this. You totally. What? You, no, no, not Edgar Castillo. No, I'm sorry. It's not happening. But uh, Graham Zussi, whoever it is. But there's enough. All right, European. We'll stick to European guys. Let's, okay, let's, okay. Let's, let's think about it now. Um, 
who who's out there that that, that needs to get some games. Uh, get this group, or even in in Mexico, Joe Corona. Unfortunately, uh, that's a tough one, man. He's not getting any playing time. He's in, he's not getting even a single minute in Club Tijuana anymore. So that's that's a bit of a tough one. So, um, Brad, hey, Brad Davis, you're in Clemson. He brought him in the last time. He's brought him in a few times. Maybe you give Brad Davis a chance to get out there. Uh, and then in the back, I mean, there's any number of guys in the back who could get started. Give Jeff Cameron to start at center back. Give Eric Lehigh a chance to play. Uh, Orozco? Orozco. Give Orozco a chance to play. Like they, they, I think you could put out a really good B team, uh, a really good team to play Jamaica and Panama. That would not be an embarrassment. Maybe I mean, th- maybe Hercules Gomez if he comes back. I mean, I know he's 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 starting to recover from his injury. He, no, I don't see that happening. It's a little. I mean, it's only a few weeks away now, and he hasn't even played yet. So I, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I think it's a little. It's not going to happen. Not for October. Not for him. Um, but then there's other guys. Bobby Wood, the the young German bass player. He's someone who you know Jurgen obviously had his eye on. I just think there's so many other guys around there that that you could you could stand to take a look at. Why not take that opportunity to give some of those guys a look? Okay, Iris, back to the bad news for the Americans abroad. As you just said, John Brooks injured. What's the latest on him? Well, the early reports out of Germany are that he suffered a dislocated elbow. He came out of the match, uh, Hertha Berlin's match uh, against Freiburg in the 20th minute. Uh, it, it, is, it, it could be anywhere from two weeks to, you know, longer. And right now it doesn't look good for him, I'd say, for him to take part in October's games. Uh, and that means he's not going to be cap tied anytime soon. And um, I'm sure Jurgen Hisman would love to have cap tied him um, now because you don't want to wait until the World Cup, right, um, if he's going to be on the World Cup team. So that's a, you know, that's a tough one. That's a tough one because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people liked what they saw from him in the Bosnia friendly and uh, now you might not get to see him for until next year. And the other player, as you said, Joe Corona, another did not play. What's what's I mean? What is the latest on him? The latest is he's not playing. Well, I mean, I mean what's what's There's I no mean? Change. Yeah, exactly. There's, no change. There's nothing to report. He's not playing. He's not getting a minute. And what I would say is interesting is that uh, one of the players who has been getting playing time regularly is Paul Ariola, mm-hmm. And Paul Ariola has, has become kind of that option off the bench on the right wing. So he's playing where Joe Cronin normally has, has uh, you know, has been able to get minutes. This And now this recent Friday night game against Cruz, Cruz Azul, uh, they tied 0-0. Uh, he didn't even – Paul Ariola didn't dress. And Corona still couldn't get up. So you just ask yourself, what is going on here? He can't get a minute. So as I said before, or I think it was a previous episode, he's got from now till January to to fight his way back into that lineup. If, if he can't do it, if he can't get at least some regular minutes and, and obviously much better uh, get get a starter role back, he's got to go somewhere. They have to loan him out. He has got to go get playing time because if he wants any opportunity to play in the World Cup, to be on that World Cup team, he has got to be playing regularly in Mexico in the in the the, the second half in the in the Clausura uh, season next year. Yeah, not not that I want to go on a tangent. I just thought of this. We we know how Jurgen kind of brings in some younger guys to get them familiar with the U.S. men's national team setup. I I, I was just thinking, could we see a guy like maybe Paul Ariola get called up, or maybe maybe any other guys from that U twenty team like a Luis Gill or a Jose Villarreal? Could we see maybe Jurgen kind of bringing them in to kind of introduce them to camp? Could could that happen maybe? 
Well, I mean, I've said it before. I think he, I think he will bring in a couple guys, a couple of the younger U twenty guys. Ariola, I don't think because look, he's eighteen. He just turned pro. He's only, he, he's not ready. He's not. You're not ready. It's not time to bring him in. He's not gonna go play for Mexico. He, 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 he. It's not time for him right now. There are some other guys like Luis Gil, DeAndre Yedlin, um, who you know I think have gotten the playing time, the regular playing time, and. and you want to get, you want to bring him into camp. I'm not saying you put him on the field, but you want to get a look at him. Bring him into camp, expose them to that level, uh, and 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 take it from there. And that, so I, I think he will. I think I think Eric is going to bring in a couple of those guys. I don't know who, but as the guys, some of the guys you mentioned, I think absolutely have to get a look. And the worst team in England has fired. Well, the worst team in the English Premier League has fired their manager, who's also Josie Adador's manager, Paulo Di Canio. I was. What's the latest on on him, and, and what does it mean for Josie Altador? Well, I gotta say, it, 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 I don't. There's a lot of. I don't think there's a ton of people surprised by what went down because you know, look, Paul De, Paul DeCanio is, is a volatile figure. He's someone who has kind of crashed and burned in situations like this before. He did well to get them, help them avoid relegation last year, but they're off to a horrendous start. And you know, you've got the guy confronting fans after their last loss, and you just it, it was ugly. It was ugly. And here's the thing, right? I know some people are looking at the situation right now and saying, oh, this, you know, this is terrible for Josie Altidore. What a horrible transfer move this was for him. Like, I already hear it. And it's, and you know where it's coming from? It's coming from people who said that beforehand because, you know, they, they, they want, you know, it's like they wanted it to fail. So they could kind of say, ah, see, I told you it failed. Listen, it is early. They spent a lot of money on Josie Altidore. They did not spend a lot of money on him to give up on him just yet. And if anything, a new coach, a new manager, if they get a new manager who knows what he's doing, if they go hire Roberto Di Matteo, if they, or someone like that, someone who's going to bring stability to that team and help them climb out of that, out of the mess they're in now, it can only help Josie Altidore. And I think, I think it's still way too early to pass judgment on this transfer move. Absolutely too early. Three games in the, the first season and, and no, four games and you're already going to jump on it and call it Call it a disaster. It's not. It's not. Hasn't started well. There's no doubt in that whatsoever. But I, I, I'd wait and see. Give it half a year before you go. You know, dancing on the grave with that transfer. <laughs> We've reached the end of the show. You know what that means. It's the SBI Q and A part. As always, everyone, if you want to send in questions on Twitter, it's only Twitter hashtag Ask the SBI Show. Send them in at any time. Ivis and I always go back and look. So send your question in. If you think of a question at 2 in the morning, send it on in. First question, Ivis, comes from Ben Kunkel. How does Breaking Bad stack up with The Wire? Well, glad you asked me that. That's a, that's a great question. Oh for, me, <laughs> for me, they're the, two, they're, they're the two best shows in television history, in my opinion. Right? Neither, of course, Garrett has never seen either, so he has no, no opinion on this. He thinks 30 Rock and Golden Girls are like the best shows ever made. It's first um, off, first off, 30, <laughs> 30 Rock is, is an outstanding show. If I sucked this show, it's because I was watching 30 Rock, and the show is just too funny. You must watch it a lot. <laughs> it's so, Tina Fey is just so funny, dude. Oh, uh, you totally missed my joke. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally missed that. I'll have to go back and listen to it. <laughs> as far as Breaking Bad and, and The Wire. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how to compare it. Look, for me, The Wire is better. The Wire is still better. Uh, just more, just the, a better development of characters, more just the storylines, the way they're all interwoven. And just, I, I just, for me, I don't know, The Wire is just better. 
Well, Breaking Bad is right there, man. Breaking Bad, is, they're both great shows. Anyone who hasn't watched either, you need to watch them. You need to see them both. Uh, Breaking Bad is down to its last episode now. Uh, and actually, tonight was a pretty great night for Breaking Bad. They had their next to last episode, another great episode, no spoilers. And they also won their first uh, Emmy for Best Drama. Uh, well-deserved, long, you know. Should have they should have got at least one before that. But, yeah, but the know. dad from Malcolm in the Middle, he didn't win the award, did he? Uh, not this time, no. But but still, again, uh, they, they're just both great shows. Uh, how do they stack up? Uh, I'm trying to think. Trying to, um, I think Breaking obviously, you know, Breaking Bad has more more of a comedy, like a humor element to it. Look, it's a, they're both dramas, but you know, The Wire's a, 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 a more just a you know grittier show. It, it's the plight of the inner city, and you know, for me, I, you know, coming from the inner city. Uh, I, I feel like I have more of an attachment to that show. Breaking Bad is just complete, like, you know, it's a, I mean, it's, there's based in some truths there, some realities, but it's, it's a little bit more fantasy, I think, than, than The Wire. I think The Wire is a little bit more, a bit more of a real take on the, on, on that world. Um, but both of them are great. Like, it's really hard. It's like, <laughs> it's like asking, you know, which kid, which one of your kids you like better? For me, those are like my two favorite shows ever. I can't, I, it's hard to pick between the two. Uh, I think I still picked the wire just because I, you know, I've seen, I've watched the entire show, all seasons like six, seven times already. Uh, I haven't done that yet with the wire. Uh, I mean, I haven't yet done that yet with Breaking Bad. I've I've only gone through it twice now, and uh, it, it, it's you know, the wire. I can tell you, the wire, it gets better with each viewing just because you pick up on all these little nuggets and tie-ins between all the seasons. Breaking Bad, it's it's not. I don't think it's that deep, but it's still fun. Uh, a, a great show, obviously drama and and and, and a lot of crime and, and violence and all that. But it has the funny side to it, which I think it maybe gives it its own edge. You need to have a TV guy call him, Ivis. <laughs> no man, yeah. I'll break you down real quick. Five shows. My my favorite shows right now are Breaking Bad, which is almost ending, so it's not it's not even gonna be on the list anymore. Um. The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, yes. uh, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, uh, I'm blanking on the HBO show. Boardwalk uh, Empire? Well, no, Boardwalk Empire is on there, but no, the other one, the one, uh, the, with the news guy, I'm blanking on, how am I blanking on? Oh, oh Jeff Daniels, right? Yes, yes, that show is good, that show is good, so, I'd say that's my wheelhouse, so if you're curious what I like to watch. I like those. Uh, I also like Ridiculousness, which I know. <laughs> show sucks. <laughs> that show is the worst show ever. It's all about the videos, man. It's no, it's not. The... It's not even that funny. I mean, Tosh Point oh, that show is funny. Tosh Point oh is a jerk and no. annoying, and he's just, just he's just a, he's just not. I, you know what? I'll tell you what. I used to love Tosh Point oh, but he just got to be a really annoying and, <sighs> and Ridiculousness. I just like. I, and look, they're not great TV, but it's funny. It's something to pass the time and make you laugh. It's kind of like watching YouTube videos, but pretty much like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Ivis, next question comes from Chris McGuffin. Do you think MLS academies could eventually make college soccer obsolete? No. That's my quick answer. What I will say is this. MLS academies are taking on a, an increasing role, as they should. Yes. And over time, they are going to take on that bigger role in overall development in this country. But I'll say, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Look at a map and then go get yourself 20 pins and put, actually sit right, right now 16 pins and stick them where the MLS teams are in this country. Now look at the map and look at all that land. 
that there are no pins near. That's the thing. That's where college soccer, for, for one, that's one reason college soccer is not going to be obsolete anytime soon. And number two, there's just not enough opportunities right now for the players coming through the academies to get jump into the pro scene. So, yes, yeah, so you're going to have your, your your elite guys, your like one or two guys who who can earn their contracts at a high school and, and jump into the, you know, jump into the fray. Uh, you know, someone like Kellen Acosta, FC Dallas, I watched it tonight, 18-year-old kid. And, and he, you know, he's holding his own there against, uh, you know, against, you know, mature seasoned veterans. But there's still so many players who, when they come out of high school and they played in, and even in playing in the in the MLS Academy setup, as you know, Garrett, you work in that, you work in that system. They're, they're <laughs> not, not, no, it's a, no, it's a, no, no, it's a fact. You, 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 you're you're going to agree with me. Not all these kids are ready at 17, 18. Okay. So, so, so if, if the alternative is, okay, MLS teams aren't going to sign you, and then you have nothing, or they have a college system. Then how is that? How is that a bad thing? And I think you're going to have, as you still have happen now, a lot of those players who aren't ready to go pro at 17, 18, they can go into the college system, put their years in in college, mature, uh, mature as a player and a person, and then once they put their three, four years in the college, they can then they can then join those MLS teams. So I think. Mm-hmm. You're already seeing that. I mean, look at perfect Scott Caldwell, uh, who was with New England. I mean, DeAndre Yedlin put his couple of years in at Akron. Uh, so you've already seen that, and you're seeing that, and I think you're going to continue to see that. So as much as I know some people hate college soccer, and they think it's the devil, and it's everything wrong with the player development, like, folks, how about you just appreciate the fact that we have this system that is is serving as the safety net, and respect it for what is or done for for the sport in this country for so many years, and, and it's like people are such a hurry to like throw it in the trash because it's it has its flaws and, it, and it's not ideal and it's not all year round. Yes, I get that. It's look, no one's saying college soccer is perfect. No one, even folks in the college soccer itself, will say yes. You know, the, the practices are limited, games are limited. You know, we get that, but it still has a place and it still serves a purpose. Yeah. I uh, I agree with all that, Ivis. Uh, plus, the other thing, a lot of these kids get a good quality education too, and for some of these kids, that might be important to them. They might want to go to school for four years and and, and study something that interests them too. They, they had that option there, and it, I think college soccer might take a hit, but I still think it's always going to be there, and it's going to be strong because you're going to have a lot of kids that really care about education. Not all of them are athletes and want to be athletes. A lot of these kids, you know, I mean, I, I talk to some of these kids. They they have big aspirations in their life, and they want to get a good education. So I think that plays into it also. Next question, Ivis, comes from Nihal. Could we see Luis Gill in the national team fold in January? I think we absolutely could. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting because the, this whole, you know, the, there was a story that surfaced last week claiming that, uh, you know, Mexico is inquiring about Luis Gill. And I'm not saying it's a it's a false story. Maybe there's some interest, but you know what? At the end of the day, the national teams, uh, a, a national team like Mexico, it is no secret. They are they have they're keeping their lists of dual nationals with the quality players who can play for Mexico to represent. They know who these people are. They're going to keep in touch with them. I highly doubt, and I say highly, highly, highly doubt that they're looking at Luis Gill to bring him in uh, to upcoming qualifiers or to cap time or anything like that. But they know who he is. They know he's a talented young player. He's one of the best young American players uh, there is, as far as you know, under in that age group, like under twenty three, under twenty on that under twenty team, he was one of the better players in that team. So of course 
Of course Mexico is going to, you know, keep tabs on him. They are fully aware he's not cap tied. So why wouldn't they? Um, and, you know, I think I, I see just when you think about his development, I think he's done well this year. He's going to he's he's absolutely the kind of player you want to get a look at in a camp like the January camp. Yes, uh, er, uh, Javier Zavaleta. Thank you for your question. Ivis totally stole it, but but he he asked a question about Luis Gill. I think he'll play. So Javier, think we got we got your question. Well, Ivis answered it. Next question, Ivis comes from Derek Studebaker. Could Eric Winalda be the coach of RSL if Christ leaves? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't think I don't think so. I mean, uh, I don't see that happening. But you know, I, I, I'd say this. You know, Winalda. He, you know, he, he's done some interesting things there. He did some things with Atlanta uh, that you have to kind of, you know, you have to give him some respect for. I mean, obviously, we know the whole Cal FC thing and beating Portland in the Open Cup, uh, you know, doing that thing as coach. Uh, at Atlanta, you know, obviously, he couldn't commit to it as a coach, but he did on the personnel side some impressive things. I mean, he fe- he found Chris Clute, who's been one of the real revelations in MLS this year. Uh, you know, he he's kind of the guy who brought him up from the, you know, as a reserve in Atlanta, and now he's, you know, Arguably one of the best left backs in, in MLS, or has been this year, one of the better left backs in the league. So he, I think I think when all has earned himself some respect for some of these things, uh, I think his I think his reputation's a little better than it was, uh, say two years, two three years ago, or, or further. And, and you know you want to see what's next for him, but a head coaching job, I don't see that. I think I said it before, and I'll say it again. I think he's someone who would have to get. I, I, the only way I see him at becoming an MLS head coach is if he first becomes an, an MLS assistant coach, and I just don't think that's something that he would be willing to do. The next question comes from imaginary Turbo Friend. What is the better potential four or five matchup, Timbers Rapids or Fire Houston? Well, I'll tell you what. Right now, the you know after the Timbers win, uh, they've moved into third place, and, and LA's tie has them in fourth place. So you could see. Uh, right now, LA, Colorado is the four or five. So, you know, but of the ones that you mentioned to me, mm-hmm. uh, I'd love to see Portland, Colorado go at it. I think that, I think of those that you mentioned, I think that those, I think, think that would be, would be the, the more entertaining and the better matchup. But uh, again, even in the East, uh, I would not, I would not sleep on the possibility of Houston catching Montreal. Houston's two points back in Montreal, but Montreal has a game in hand. But I don't. I don't have any faith in Montreal doing much with the games that they have in hand. I just think I just they're looking like a bit of a lame duck right now, and their defense. I just don't see their de- defense getting better. Next question comes from Scott Utterson. Other than service, what does Zuzi bring to the U.S. Men's National Team that McGee would not? Well, you know, McGee's a good player, really good player, arguably the MVP of the league this year uh, for Chicago. But in terms of what. When you're talking about the national team and the international level, uh, I, I think Zussi gives you covers more ground. Uh, he's quicker. He, he's more of a two-way kind of player. McGee is a bit more of a kind of a, he, he helps more in the attack, but he's, he doesn't have that engine. Uh, so he's someone that you kind of have to uh, you know pick up the slack for and let him do his thing offensively. Uh, so I think Zuzi has that edge, and 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 it's it's you can't just say oh well other than service like sir, service is a big deal right passes quality passes to set up other guys is a big deal McGee is not going to be the man on the national team right he's not going to be the man there are other guys there are other attacking players whether Josie Altidore or Clint Dempsey uh you know that that caliber player that are the guys you need to they're the guys you need to feed you need to get them the ball 
So you want you you want your wide options or your wide midfield options uh, to be people who can set them up. And look, I don't think it's an either or situation. I don't think Mike. I don't think Graham Zussi is the reason that Mike McGee's not on this team. So I, I I don't even know if we should even kind of look at it that way as far as comparing the two. But I think the reason that Zussi gets looks and gets time and gets games is because he makes his teammates better, and he's a, he's a good two way player. He gives you he he gives you an honest ninety minutes, covers ground. Uh, and he's better than he. Yeah, I, I don't. It's funny, man. Like he is. If, if there's a short list of American of U.S. national team players who have like the most haters or the most people who just don't respect their game and don't think they're any good, like he, it, it, it it's a little. It bows mine a little bit because I think he deserves a little more credit than he, than he gets. Next question comes from Alonzo Bacchiarano. What are the chances Jurgen will call up a true left back or right back for the next games? I don't know, man. It depends on how serious he is about this proclamation that he's going to bring in a full-strength team. You know, <laughs> what's a full-strength team? A full-strength U.S. team lately has been no, you know, it's Beasley or Fabian Johnson or Edgar Castillo as far as the left backs go. Uh, you know, for me, you know, Chris Clue, maybe he's more for a January camp than he is for now. Um, but I, I, that's a good question. That's a good question. Beasley's not even playing lately. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many minutes he's getting. It's going to be interesting to see what he does with left back. Left backs, uh, right back, there's a ton of right backs, right? You know, I think mm-hmm. as far as whether, you know, it's... Uh, 2009 Jonathan Spector. Yeah, if you could go get him. If you go in your time machine and get 2009 Jonathan Spector, he would absolutely get called up. I'll give you that. 2013 Jonathan Spector that has played midfield mainly for the past couple of years. No, he's not coming to play right back. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, Today, uh, today's theme, Foo's Gold and Jonathan Spector. Fool's cold, and they're, 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 it's very similar. Um, but yeah, left back. I'd love to see some natural left backs, and Chris Clute is one of the few uh, natural left backs that you've seen that kind of you know looking like they're impressing. Um, right back, so, you know, Andrew Farrell uh, is someone who I think is is playing really well, and and I, I don't think he gets near, yeah he obviously doesn't get anywhere near the the attention that a Yedlin gets, but Yedlin as well. I mean, I think those guys are, have shown some good qualities to at least take a look at. We're not saying they're going to be the answer. We're not saying, oh, they're going to come in. They're going to, they're the, they're the starting right back in Brazil. No, no one's saying all that. But some of these guys, I feel, have had good seasons in MLS, have shown good qualities, and are young, talented players. That why not give them a look? But again, for me, Eric Lehigh, he has like, how do you not give the guy a look? I, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Like the guy is playing well now. You wanted him to get a starting job somewhere. He's gotten a starting job somewhere on a good Nottingham Forest team. How does he still not get a look? He's versatile too. He could play left back. I tell you what, for my money, if you're asking me, make or break, there's a game you have to play, and you and you're asking me who I'd rather have at left back, Edward Castillo or Eric Lehigh, it would be Eric Lehigh ten times out of ten, no doubt about it, not a single doubt about it, Eric Lehigh ten times out of ten. Yet Edward Castillo is the guy getting calls. It's a little, it's a head scratch. But hey, you know what? Everyone has his purposes. Jurgen has his purposes. And Eric Lehigh clearly is not one of them. Next question comes from Aiden White. Chances the Fire stay above that red line and make it into the playoffs. Well, coming off of that loss to Columbus, it looks it doesn't look as good as it did last week. But you know what? I think they're going to make it. I think they're, I think they're look getting a red card early in a game like that is such a tough blow. Uh, but you know what? I like I like their chances. I, li- I like the Fire's chances. I've said as I've said before. I think the additions to that roster that they've made especially recently, have been really impressive. And 
uh, you know, they've got some games. I mean, if you're talking about this, of the teams that are in the playoff mix, I'd argue that they have one of the they have they might have the easiest schedule. Um, they're playing a struggling Montreal team next, and after that, you're talking DC United, FC Dallas, Toronto FC. I mean, come on! If you want to make the playoffs, you need to be able to rack up some points against that 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 group of teams. Now, look at the end of the season, they play the Red Bulls in the in the season in the regular season finale. That's going to be a tough one, especially you know the Red Bulls could very well be fighting for. Uh, for the first place in, in the East and the number one seed in the East playoffs. So that game, yes, that could be tough. But the four games before that, the Fire can absolutely win any one of those games, if not all four. So for me, I think they'll be all right. As long as they avoid the red cards, they'll be fine. That wraps up the SBI Q&A. I wish we started the show off with this subject because we could have talked about it the whole entire show and completely ignored MLS. But on Monday night slash Tuesday morning at midnight, FIFA 14 comes out. I will be getting the show. I might not respond to you on Tuesday because I might just be FIFA 14 binging all day. Got to get my ultimate t- ultimate team looking good. But uh, FIFA 14 comes out on uh, Monday night, Ivis. I'm excited. Are you excited? Uh, you know, I'm not a big gamer, but uh, it is a. It, it obviously in the soccer in the soccer world, it's a it's a it's a big big day every time uh, the new FIFA comes out. And actually, I I will be at the official. FIFA launch party in Manhattan on Monday night, uh, where Drake is going to be there and he's going to be playing Tim Cahill. And, uh, last year, last year's event was great. Uh, the same, the same launch event last year where they had Snoop Dogg and ASAP Rocky and uh, a bunch of other celebrities. It was a great night, great event. And the best thing about that event, or well, one of the, well, aside from the obvious is, uh, they give, there's copies of the game and you can get yourself a copy of the game. So I will actually have my copy in hand before midnight. Uh, I won't be rushing off to play it, but I'll have it, and uh, I'm just, I'm gonna try to play it. I didn't. I actually last year uh, did not get a copy at the party, so I never actually got a copy last year, and I I just don't have time to play it. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I had time to play it. Uh, so because because it's fun, it's fun to play, you know. Get it. And, and and it's also I'd love to play it so I could get good enough so I could you know. Beat some of the people who take it way too seriously. Oh, yeah. You know, you and I and our listeners know there's just some people who take the game way too seriously. It's their like life's blood, their their life's work to to be good at at FIFA. And which for me, I think if you're if you're older than 22, you should probably you know just start to reconsider your your your, your priorities in life. Wait, but, you know, t- wait, 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 wait. Time out. Seriously, I mean, dude, you know how much I work, but I'm I'm gonna play FIFA. Like, I don't get too into it, but I'm I'm pretty good. I don't think you're like I don't think you're like uh, on the extreme end of the. Spectrum. No, no. If I lose, I don't get worked up. But I mean, I'm pretty good. If anyone wants to take me on, here's here's my shout out. I'm on Xbox G Club G C L E V. You can play me. I'm pretty good though. I got to <laughs> Division One in Seasons mode. Also on Ultimate Team too, so no I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. No I'm giving a shout out. Everyone can beat me. They could try to beat me. Gonna, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna have a FIFA tournament. We're gonna have. We're gonna get a bunch of. Uh, we're gonna get a bunch of uh, of listeners to be on, uh, and we'll have you, and we'll have Franco Panizo, our SBI writer. That's. On. I, I will take Franco on. I will take him. Well, on. you guys, we'll put you on opposite ends of the of the bracket. And to see if you guys can get to the final together, because you know he 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 swears he's the best player on earth. He, Frank, or, I beat uh, Franco but, before, so don't let Franco tell you that. I, I know he's not. I just he just thinks he is. So it'd be great to see if you guys can actually play it. I unfortunately am not that good. Uh, it's funny enough. I like I uh, 
So the last time I got the new FIFA, I think was was twelve. So I got the new FIFA, and I actually around that time, I think I had some time to play, and I played a bit, and I actually signed up and uh, to play online, and and silly me, I decided to use Soccer by Ivis as as my name <laughs> on the thing. So I put, you know, so I get on there, and I I am not good because I, I obviously don't play much. And I play, I play some kid, I lose. And, and it, I think it might have taken, I don't know, five minutes for the kid to go on Twitter and say, hey, I think I just beat you in FIFA. And I'm like, okay, I'm clearly, <laughs> not, gonna, I'm clearly not playing online anymore under that name. So uh, I, I'll, I'll come up with another name to play under. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. Why would you? <laughs> yeah, I don't need, yeah, I don't need guys to tell me they beat me. I'm like, I suck. So what? You beat me. Well, okay. everyone can take me on if they want. Also, when you play me, only three-star teams. None of this Barcelona Real Madrid crap. It's not real. Play okay. me with like a three-star team. Then, then we'll talk. Ivis, that wraps up the show, buddy. Thank God. <laughs> we ended on such a strong note there. Hey, I, I want one last one. Uh, I'm going to work on getting some copies of the game, uh, some copies of FIFA 14, and... Uh, Hopefully for the next episode of the SBI show, we might do a giveaway. Uh, and also on SBI, I'm going to hopefully, hopefully, uh, do a giveaway. So keep an eye out for that. If you're, if you're, you know, fiending for a copy and you haven't gotten yourself one or, or, you know, you want to get one, then uh, maybe there'll be a contest for you. Ivis will, uh, be providing you with an early Christmas present. So nice of you, Ivis. There you go. Yes. But hey, okay, you have to be, you have to follow us and you have to follow me on Twitter and you have to obviously be a listener to the show. You have to if you if you fulfill all the requirements. If you are one of the hardcore SBI uh, fans slash readers slash listeners, then you will absolutely be in the mix for for one of our contests. Yeah, but how can they prove if they're a hardcore listener? Like we have to think of something that you and I usually do. Oh no, we'll we'll we'll, we'll have to you know drop some hints on on the next episode, and so that they have to listen to the show. And like, you know, like I'll a, figure it out. I'll figure. I'll, I'll get it. I'll I'll work it out so that like know. like a, one of the questions could be like true or false. Ivis is a New York Red Bulls fan. That could be one. Not really. <laughs> that, that's not. A, I think people know I'm not. Just like people know that you work for Real Salt. There's certain things people know, and they know, and they know not to be the case. <laughs> that's just reckless. Well, Ivis. <laughs> That wraps up the show, buddy. Uh, I'll talk to you. Uh, we'll have a show up on Tuesday morning for everyone, so uh, you catch some sleep from your busy soccer weekend. Yes, sir, and uh, we'll be back hopefully on on uh, Wednesday. We'll have the next episode, and uh, we're right now working on lining up at least one one guest, so we might finally break our streak of, uh, of episodes without a guest, so yeah. keep an eye out for that. It's be good, uh, good to see that, and as always, Everyone, thank you for your comments, concerns, your, your questions, and everything you do to support Ivis and I. We appreciate it. We'll be back again later this week. This is the SBI Show.